Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run by Piazza. And the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Episode number 17, the Say Hello Podcast. My name is Casey Lynn. I'm joined by my co-host, former Met, former Major League pitcher, former baseball player his whole life, Bill Pulsifer, as we embark on episode number 17. Before anything, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. And first of all, Bill, it's been a while. Yeah, How in the hell are you? <laughs> I'm actually quite well. Just got back from uh, Las Vegas, spent the weekend in Las Vegas uh, this past weekend. So um had a blast and uh, recovering a little bit, but um, ah. had a great time. <clears throat> I guess whatever uh, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Well, I mean, nothing crazy. I mean, we went to the Sphere and saw the U2 concert, which was incredible. The building's incredible and the uh, the visuals are just out of this world. I don't even know how they come up with anything like that, but, uh, and then went to the, the Raiders Vikings game. So got to see one of the worst football games, uh, of all time. So that Which, was interesting. Raiders Vikings. Yeah. Uh, three, nothing, three, nothing. Ah, to the fourth. Yes. Okay. Come the fourth uh, quarter, we were hoping for zero, zero final through overtime. That way yeah. you can see something that probably hasn't happened very often. I think somebody, one of the guys in our suite said that, uh, I think it had happened in 1943. There was a zero-zero tie, so we were kind of hoping for a zero-zero tie just for historical uh, wow. relevance, I guess. <clears throat> okay, well, I remember seeing that score, and uh, who knew <laughs> that you? Who knew that you were in attendance to watch uh, that yeah. debauchery? I thought the uh, the Jets Giants game was going to be the worst football game this, uh, this right. season, but uh, lo and behold, I got to watch both of them, and one of them in, per- in person. Well, how's the arena over there? In it's Las nice, Vegas? very nice. And we were in a suite, so it was even that much better. But um, very oh, nice. Cool. A lot of a lot of Vikings fans there. Actually, there's almost probably more purple there than there was black. But I guess it's, uh, the Vikings are more in the playoff hunt than the Raiders, so I guess that makes sense. And I think the Vikings they just have a bigger fan base, and like they're they're more just crazy over there, you know, Viking land. So yeah. they make the they make the trip and whatnot. What the hell do I know? Right. <laughs> uh so, here we are. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, uh, the Say Hello podcast uh, has been in uh, people's ears, people's homes, on their phone, uh, wherever they get it. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, Say Hello uh, Media, thank you very much. You get to watch our beautiful faces. Or if you're listening on wherever you get your podcast, uh, whether that be Spotify, Google, uh, of course, Apple, um, wherever, we – uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Bill and I have a lot to get to. Uh, a, it's been two weeks since we've uh, had a show. And B, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess we could start, Bill, with the, the news that just came out earlier uh, in the week. And it, it, it's big news. Ronnie Mauricio uh, tore his ACL in the uh, Dominican league. And that is going to change a lot of things going forward uh, for David Stearns and the Mets. Uh, you know, he, I get why he was there. 
five games and just the way that he tore it. I don't know if you saw the play. It was just a secondary lead off the first. That's great. He limped off the field on his own power. Uh, it was described as a cramp. And tests in New York showed, nope, uh, full tear uh, of his ACL. He's going back, I think, to Florida for more tests. But uh, David Stearns had said that the third base position, which was last in the league uh, last year in OPS combined, uh, just took a major hit. They said they were going to go in-house. And the three candidates, Beatty, Mauricio and Vientos. Well, uh, what's his name? Mauricio was probably, in my mind, the leading candidate just for his tools. He's gone. Uh, ACL usually takes nine months. Uh, if you know it all goes well, he's out for the year. It's December. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that's really a bummer. You know, uh, so he came up. Go ahead. Sorry, Case. Yeah, I, I just. I wanted to get your take on it because uh, there's a lot of, in my mind, a trickle down effect and uh, you know, what you think about Mauricio and what you think might happen with it. Well, I think that obviously it's a, I think it's a huge blow because he, uh, for the team and for himself, he had so much momentum going uh, when he came up at the end of the year, played so well and uh, probably felt pretty confident. And the team was probably pretty confident in him. And uh, I would think that he would have went into spring training you know, ready to, to win that job and become the, the, the third baseman, uh, or at least, you know, switching around the field, but the, the main, uh, the main third baseman. So this is a, a huge blow. I think it maybe breathes a little bit of life into guys like Vientos and Beatty. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> obviously it's very rare to think that you would have three young players like that all vying for, um, for the same yeah. position, which is, that's very unique. You know, you don't hear about that, but, uh, I would think you're right with, um, Mauricio being the the leading candidate, just going off of the way that the, the season ended. So this is a huge blow and uh, just adds to the, you know, adds to the uncertainty of the roster again, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of stuff going on. You know, I, I can't give up up Beatty. He was a, a, a first round draft pick a couple of years ago. Obviously last year in 23, he had uh, his rookie year, horrible year. He was sent down to the minors and, you know, he came up and didn't do all that much better. Uh, but again, Mauricio for me was the leading candidate if you wanted it uh, for the job. And it's a shame. A, obviously I feel for him. He's out for the year. Yeah. He's he's young. He'll bounce back. People get injuries all the time like this in any sport. Basketball, yeah. uh, you know, a lot in football with the non-contact Uh I feel for him, but I also understand why he was down there in the Dominican Winter League. He has to work on his defense, and he was. Uh, you know, I, I just I saw a lot of comments on Twitter that the Mets are just cursed. You know, <laughs> you, you go back to Edwin Diaz and the WBC. Yeah. You know, it, it, games that are not Met games, and look what happens. You know, yeah. you don't really see this elsewhere. You know. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., the reigning MVP, he's playing in the Venezuelan league. It's and not abnormal. It's not abnormal for not. guys to go and play. It's definitely not. And there's a there's a reason why the the Latino ball players are, <laughs> you know, they're as good as they are because they do go they do go play and they do get ready. Uh, so I think that you can't begrudge the guy for going down there and working on his craft and trying to get better because he, like you said, he wants that job. So how you know how it's yeah. You're going to be 100% ready then to be down there playing. You know, it's probably a freak thing. He got a spike cut, caught or something, you know, in the dirt and just yeah. kind of twisted the wrong way. And, man, that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. It's 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 brutal. I can't blame really anyone on this. It's just one of those freak accidents like Edwin Diaz. But, uh, you know, people are like the Mets are cursed. And, you know, I'm starting to think maybe because uh, you don't hear about it with anyone else and, you know, again, Ronald Acuna Jr., he tore his ACL playing in a game in the majors, and he's out there in winter ball playing. Like, if anyone was is somebody who shouldn't be, it's the rating MVP who already tore his ACL. Right. So, yeah. yep. It's my, not abnormal, my, man. The guys play. The guys play. You know, I played he, with some, I played with Miguel Tejada when he was in the the midst of his all-stardom as a, as a, uh, a major league baseball player. I played with him in the Dominican Republic. So, it's not abnormal. Right. And it's definitely not abnormal for a young guy uh, to go down there. And also, 
as a young guy that finally made it to the major leagues, it's kind of a rite of passage for the Latin ball player to go down there and go back and play for his team that he played with before he made it into the major leagues. Kind of right. to kind of get the adulation of the the locals in that, and it is not it's not abnormal. I played with K Rod right after he came back from the World Series in '03. I played with him in Venezuela. Remember that was right. kind of he hit the scene. So you can't begrudge anybody for for going out there and trying to work on their craft. And also yeah. to get the adulation from your 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 smaller country than obviously the, the the United States of America. It's just kind of a rite of passage. Yeah, I, I totally get it. The, the, <clears throat> moving forward, the question is, uh, they're going to have to do something now. Uh, they they can't go into the season with two, you know, uh, yeah. unproven third baseman with no depth. You know, uh, they signed Joey Wendell to a two million dollar contract, but he's a utility guy. Uh, Right when this happened, the name that popped in my head was Justin Turner. He's a free agent. Ooh. Uh, and I, I, I don't know what Turner, you know, uh, feels about it. Obviously, I don't have him on speed dial. I can't be like, hey, JT, what do you think about, you know, coming back to the Mets after they non-tendered you? And, you know, you basically almost had a, a Hall of Fame career in L.A. But uh, Justin Turner would be perfect now. Uh, they probably had no interest in Justin Turner before. But shit happens, and uh, Justin Turner's or uh, 39 played his wow. whole career after the Mets non tendered him over a decade ago. Uh, great seasons in LA as their third baseman, and last year he was the DH for the Red Sox at 38, 39, and uh, wrote down his numbers last year. Older player, 276, 23 home runs. Uh, 96 RBIs and an base percentage of 800. I mean, it, you know, Father Time is not stopping him. Well, I uh, think offensively, but uh, again, DH, he didn't have to worry about running out on the field uh, every inning in between. Right. Know, so, so <laughs> my, my, yeah, I mean, my thinking is that he could play some third base because he played it his whole career. You don't forget how to play third, and he was always a very solid third baseman, always. Uh you know, and he could split time as the DH. I mean, the Mets do still need a DH. And yeah. he was part of that, you know, maybe he'll be the DH. Well, now there's two positions that he could, you know, kind yeah. of fill. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I was looking at third baseman, just who's available. Matt Chapman, who was on the A's and then the Blue Jays. But that's just not going to happen. He's going to demand too much money. Uh, he slumps a lot. He's a great defensive third baseman, but uh, New York and the money, I just don't think that's going to work out. And uh, I think Turner would be a good uh, stop. Uh, a one, it, it would be a one-year thing, which would be perfect because maybe he could mentor a guy like Beatty uh, and still put up some good numbers. So to me, and you can disagree, agree, or just whatever – I, I think Justin Turner is they got to be on the phone with his agent right now. I, I totally agree with that. I think then it will kind of boil down into whether Justin Turner is looking into trying to scrape those two or three years out of a team and try to, you know, get the money on the back end coming towards the end of his career. But if he's willing to uh, take a one year deal to play to say he played till he was 40 and then hang it up, yeah. maybe, you know, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I know as a pitcher, I want those, those balls in the in the uh, the five and uh -huh. a half hole have my third baseman to be able to move to go get them. I'm maybe not convinced he can do that yet at 39. But uh, swinging the stick, I don't think that's an issue for him. Still, I'm not I'm not convinced oh. on defense. And he did he play defense at all last year? <laughs> I, I didn't look into that. I know he was basically a DH and put right. up great numbers. But uh, you know, third base for the Red Sox. Let, no, I wouldn't think so. They have Rafael Devers. Yeah, Devers, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I do like the mentor idea as well. You know, a guy that's been through yeah. it and, and was a guy that told was told that we didn't want you, <laughs> basically, yep. and then turned into a, a, a perennial all-star. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you could give him a, a – he signed after the Dodgers a one-year deal with the Red Sox for just one year, 10 to whatever, 15 million. Do the same. Do the same deal. Good point. And, and if you're desperate because now, you know, shit happened, Give him uh, an option or something for a second year, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, just especially if you if you don't end up uh, getting a you know the the future DH, you know, somebody you're signing for for multiple years, maybe uh, maybe that yeah. makes sense. Give him an option year. Yeah, the point is, you just can't go now after Mauricio, uh, you know, with no depth. 100%. So, 
And, and Turner's it. I mean, I, I, there's not much out there. So uh, we'll see what happens. Stearns really has a, a little uh, predicament on his hands right now with that. That uh, adds to the predicaments. Yeah. So it sucks for Mauricio. It sucks for the Mets. It sucks for the Mets fans. Uh, let's see if they can bring in Turner. Uh, yeah, that, that was news that just happened. And uh, uh, moving on, uh, again, we haven't had a, a show due to personal reasons for a couple of weeks. We got to talk about the coaches here uh, that were officially named, I believe, last week to the Mets uh, 2024 coaching staff. I'm going to read the new guys really quick. You know, uh, I think a couple of them personally, uh, just so everybody who is not aware, the new guys, John Gibbons is now the bench coach. Mike Sarbar is the third base coach. Uh, came over 10 years, third base coach for the Guardians, Indians. Antoine uh, Richardson, three years, first base coach, Giants. Now the new first base coach for the Mets, taking over for Wayne Kirby. I should say Mike Sarber is also obviously taking over for Joey Cora at third base. Uh, he went to the Tigers. And then you have Jose Rosario. Uh, I'm sorry, Rose, uh, Ro- Rosado. Rosado, yep. who um, was the WBC, I believe, pitching coach for Puerto Rico. Um, so uh, he's the bullpen coach now. Those are the new guys. Guys coming back, Jeremy Hefner. Eric Chavez is now back to the hitting coach with uh, – Barnes and uh, they have a, a Danny Barnes with a hitting strategy position that I have no idea what the hell he's doing with that. Uh, but I want to get your take. Uh, I, I believe that you have a personal relationship with a guy that I love the signing. I freaking love it. John Gibbons. Tell I me about so, it. I think so far that's their, the biggest thing that they've done. Uh, Sadly. This, this off season. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a great signing. Obviously it's a guy who, even though he's not well known, he was an '86 Met. Um, yep. He was uh, one of the first guys I was ever involved with in the Mets organization as a uh, as an instructor down in instructional league my first year. And this is a baseball man. This is an older older school baseball man, but he's also managed in the newer school baseball. Uh, a lot of experience. Um, I think it's a tremendous signing. I think it's a great right hand man for Mendoza. Uh, somebody that's been through the battles at the major league level as a manager. And I think it um, is, a, I think, awesome, awesome signing. Yeah. Uh, Gibbons, 13 years managing the Blue Jays, two different stints. His last stint, uh, he uh, brought the Blue Jays to back-to-back ALCSs with the Blue Jays, uh, 15 and 16. First guy, first manager to do that uh, since 92, 93, when they won it all with Cedar right. Gatston. Right. Uh, winning a record as a manager. Uh Funny, he had a podcast after he was let go by the, the Blue Jays. Yeah. Very yeah. successful. Uh, I listened to it, and obviously he gave it up because uh, edge coach for the Mets podcast, you know, easy decision. Right. Uh, but tell me if you agree with this. The reason that I like him is Carlos Mendoza needed a bench coach, A, with managerial experience and who has been around basically his whole life in baseball. And Gibbons also has that fire in him. You know, yep. he's, he, he's not, and you know better than me, but, you know, I've watched Gibbons manage. He's 13 years. Uh, he's not afraid to tell off people. Uh, I know he's got a sense of humor in terms of being light, but also getting the point across. And it seems as though players like playing for him. And he's been successful. So I think he checks all the boxes. I think 100%. He's also, I, I know he brought up John Tamario in the past as like, my, who is your favorite manager? Uh, as somebody that I learned a lot of, about how to play the game of baseball. And I put John Gibbons kind of up there as well with just because I did three instructional leagues with him. And then when I was coming back after Tommy John surgery in 97, he was the manager in St. Lucie. So I actually played for him as a player, not just as, you know, in an instructional league player. Yeah. Uh, he's another one of those guys that I feel like taught me how to play baseball. Um, even though, you know, I was a pitcher, it didn't matter. It was just how you conduct yourself and how you go about your business. And he is right. Uh, he is perfect. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I don't know much about the other three. You know, I know the pitching coach Rosario Rosado is a, a well-respected Puerto Rican, you know, player who I believe played for the he was Royals. An you know, he, two, he, uh, yes, yeah. two-time All-Star, I believe, yes, and then yeah. his uh, his arm gave out, and you know, uh, you know, went to coaching. But uh, I think that I think that's another great signing. Yeah, because we're adding more people that played at the big league level for an extended period of time 
to deal with young players and teach them or show them how it's done. Uh, you know, I think that signing of people that didn't play at the major league level and having them telling people how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to do things in the major league level, I think that's, that's convoluted and that doesn't make sense. So I think that the, those two signings, as well as Chavez, uh, going back to the hitting instructor yeah. as a left-handed hitter, Beatty's going to be better this year. He's going to be talking to a guy that was a successful left-handed hitter in Major League Baseball. And I know it sounds silly, but it's not silly. All of that stuff matters. I think this is a, I like I like what they've done with the coaching staff. Yeah, it, it's a big deal. Uh, a couple, uh, Mike Sarbo, the new third base coach, ten years under Tito Francona. You know, yeah. so he's got the experience over with Cleveland and. Uh, uh, a little fun tidbit, Antoine Richardson, who is now the new first base coach, he, uh, I believe, only played like 18 games in the majors and went to coaching. But he was he scored the winning run on Derek Jeter's last hit, game-winning hit, at Yankee Stadium. So, you know, it's kind of rare that he only had X amount of games, very little. And he, you know, is part of that little history right. of, you know, Jeter's last game went RBI Yankee Stadium. Right. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, I, I like it. Um, I do too. I, 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 I'm, I'm, let's see what they can do with the coaching staff. Um, we got to move on because, uh, you know, hot stove is often running. The winter meetings were kind of not so hot. They were kind of cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's people holding the off season hostage, man. <laughs> well, one of them who was holding the off season hostage, as you say, uh, Shoei Otani. And it comes out after that whole plane thing where everyone thought he was going to Toronto and that fiasco, uh, you know, and I have my, my conspiracy theories about what went down on that Saturday, or I think it was Saturday uh, of last week, but uh, we won't go into that. He signed with the Dodgers, which I believe, tell me if you agree. We all thought he was. Uh, I mean, I think it I did quote unquote made the most sense, you know, yeah. with the, with the Asian uh, population, with the tie, uh, with the Dodgers and Japanese players, obviously Hideo Nomo being one of the, the biggest uh -huh. names to come over uh, ever really, you know, and the, the, the mania that, that took over with Hideo, I think oh, yeah. sure it makes sense. It absolutely made sense. We were hoping that it made sense in New York, which I think it made sense in, uh, in Queens as well, or in, or even in the Bronx. But I think that, this is not surprising that it ended up being the Dodgers. No, and the Dodgers didn't do anything in the offseason the, the year prior because they were primed to get Otani. Uh, and they did. The big thing, I mean, you put them with Betts and Friedman and, you know, Muncie and what a one through four. Uh, but it, the contract is what it came out the next day and everyone did what you just did, kind of like, what in the hell is this? Unprecedented. Uh, $700 million over 10 years and basically all deferred. He's taking $2 million for every year of the 10 million. He's making 20 million over the contract and everything else is deferred with no interest. $68 million when that contract ends every year. It, it It's legal. It's in it, the CB, uh, you know, CBA yeah. agreement book. Uh, they found the, it's not even a loophole. It's there. They agree upon it. Uh, I, I, it. There's so many ways we could go about this. I'll go about it first, real quick. He, they did nothing wrong. They're allowed to do it. And so we make so much money off the field that he is able to take $2 million per year for 10. And he'll still make $52 million every year up from endorsements. And then he'll make his 68 every year for 10, every, that's it. It's mind boggling money, but I think he's the only one that could do it. It was his idea. And you know, it, it's going to affect baseball big time. Uh, and I wanted to get your take. It's unprecedented. Yeah. And I don't know if it hurts baseball helps pisses off Steve Cohen. I have no freaking clue. <laughs> I think, uh, I think it's probably a lot of all of the above there. I mean, obviously I don't think it's, it's just changed, uh, baseball contracts it might have just changed sporting contracts in general <clears throat> especially for the <clears throat> excuse me the uh the upper upper echelon superstars which obviously Shohei Itani is 
Yeah. I think the amount of money is very, very surprising being that while he has been unprecedented as a player uh, with what he's able to do, he has yet to actually be the best at either one pitching or hitting. So I don't know, a 39 year old Shohei Otani on the mound for whatever the amount of money that they're going to be paying him on Shohei Otani day. We're going to have, I guess like Bobby Bonilla day. Yeah. I think it's an extraordinary contract. Uh, shrewd business move by him and his agents. Uh, brilliance. Um, man, I can't believe they gave him that much money. Uh, I, 700 million is absurd. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think that we've learned over the, over the years that 10 year contracts are not successful. They're just not, but I guess that's just kind of what you have to do. And I guess the Dodgers have decided there's going to be enough Shohei Atani jerseys sold over the next four to five or six years that the last however many years it is, it's not going to yep. matter. I mean, they've decided they're going to they're going to make that money. And uh, it sucks that he's going to be out on the West Coast again because, you know, we don't yeah. get to see those ball games. But, um, uh, you know, game-changing, uh, sports-changing contract. Yeah, there, there are not a lot of athletes that can do what he did. I think he's really the only one in Major League Baseball yeah. that could do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, props to him and the Dodgers and his agents for getting this done. The, the Dodgers are being hit with the luxury tax of $46 million, not seventy, because uh, they, they, the everyday value of the contract now is uh, that, uh, $46 or $460 million, basically. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It could be a horrible contract. He's coming off of Tommy John. He's not going to even pitch this year. So no one even knows about him, uh, pitching, you know, I, I think give... a lot of that money is just in, we're going to get it back from people wanting to see us, you know, wanting to be around them. And that he, can only a... last for so long though. You know, <laughs> he's still right. going to have to go out there and perform. You know, I had a guy, a buddy of mine tell me that, Oh, they'll, they'll pay him that kind of money to have people come watch him take batting practice. Well, you know yeah. what, that, that, that might last for a month or two or two months or a year, but that's not going to last for 10 years. He's still going to have to go out there and, and do it. Not that he's not going to, but I, the pitching is still be to, to be determined and the hitting, I mean, look, man, how many, I know we talked about Justin Turner at 39, still being able to do it, but yeah. at the amount of money they're going to be paying, and we're not looking for two thir- 276 and 23, we're looking for 320 and uh, 45 and yeah. you know, 115. So, right. I, but I, good for him. Good for him. Uh, I, sucks for the Mets because we would have loved to have had him as well, obviously, well, but uh, on to the next one. He didn't want to come to the Mets. Steve Cohen's on record saying his agents never even contacted him. Really? So, yeah. Uh, he said, Listen, so, I don't. I mean, look, a lot of the Japanese guys like to be out on the West Coast. We that's yeah. been a thing. It's it's closer to home, uh, and obviously the the Japanese population and the contingency yeah. of the country is 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 very strong on the West Coast. I, I believe he has a house in Newport Beach. I don't even think he has to sell it. I think he could take a thirty minute commute. Uh, you know, and stay in the home that he lived in when he played with the Angels. So, uh, and the biggest thing is that when this contract's up in ten years and he decides to retire at thirty-eight, nine, he can move the hell out of California and not pay those taxes Absolutely. when he gets his gets his sixty-eight million dollars a year. Brilliant, uh, unbelievable. Brilliant. Um, so Mets were not in on him. They Otani was never in on you know them. And you're right. I think it was for the Dodgers. A gamble of business move and hoping he can pitch as well, and it all comes together because seven hundred million dollars. Pitch again, he's going to pitch again. There's yeah, no doubt about and, it. You know, it's just for how long. And if I mean, it's already been proven that his uh, his elbow likes to give out. I mean, when you're throwing a type of stuff that he's throwing up there, and the amount of spin rate, it's you know, it's a lot yeah. of stress and strain on the on the arm. Now, perfect segue to his fellow countryman, uh, Yoshi uh, Yamamoto. He is now the next domino to fall. Uh, it turns out the Mets, Steve Cohen, David Stearns, flew out to Japan uh, two weeks ago. No one knew about it. That's how damn good the Mets are under Steve Cohen, keep, keeping everything to, uh, close to their best. No one knew about it for a week until the Athletic dropped it. And they met with uh, Yamamoto and his family and went out to dinner in Japan and flew back. You know, uh, Yamamoto was in L.A. right now, met with the Yankees already. He's going to meet with the Dodgers and, you know, other teams as well. Uh, I've been on this ever since, you know, day one. It's Yamamoto for the Mets or bust. 
they have pitching to fill in the rotation. And as we've discussed, Bill, he, he checks every box, regardless if they're going to be competitive or not. And we don't know that yet still in 2024 because he's 25 years old. So, uh, we might have an answer next week. Uh, you know, he's going to go back to Japan and probably think on it. But it, for me, there's such a drop off from Yamamoto and everybody else that it, it, for the Mets, you got to offer him whatever it takes. If you're Steve Cohen, you got you, it's, you know, Yankees, I think is their biggest competitor. They traded for Juan Soto. It, it seems as though the Yankees are back maybe to their evil empire days, if you will. And, you know, it, it, it could be a, a Hal Steinbrenner versus Steve Cohen, you know, for the number one sought out free agent, really, after Otani, who didn't right. want to come to New York. Uh, we shall see. But, you know, Yamamoto, man. Yeah, I think uh, it's always a little difficult with an unknown commodity at the major league level. Go ahead and dive in, dive in head first in there. But uh, with the success last year of Senga, I think that that makes it a little bit more palatable for the for the Mets to maybe quote unquote uh, overpay yep. you don't know you don't know yet you know you pay whatever you pay and you really don't know with the guys that come over from Japan um, but obviously his success up to this point and his age being a, a, like you said a big factor being right ready to be in his big girth of his prime of his career I think that um, that's a that's, you know, yeah, we, you know, you got to see what you can do about signing him. Obviously, I think if I'm Blake Snell, though, I'm waiting until he signs because I've got two uh, Cy Young awards in my back pocket. So whatever you're yeah. giving him, a guy that's never even played an inning in the major leagues, I'm going to be sitting around waiting to tell you, you got to give me more money than him. So it's going to be interesting, but uh, it'll be nice for these dominoes to start to fall a little bit for sure. Yeah, and also I agree with you on Blake Snell and also Jordan Montgomery because it just makes sense. Wait for Yamamoto to bring up more of the price of yep. starting pitcher pitching and then go get yours. So 100%. Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, it, it it will come to an end and hopefully, you know, for Met fans' sake, he'll be a Met and not a Yankee. So oh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big deal, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. Because after, like after, like I said, big drop-off after him. So I think then you put – I mean, I know you're not a Snell guy, but it puts him right in the – it puts him right there, then the next guy that they, – they need started pitching. You know, Sonny yeah. Gray's out there, I guess. He might give it another shot in New York. He's got to walk away from New York and go kind of uh, reinvent himself or find himself again. So maybe he Sonny, would be another possibility. possibility. Sonny Gray signed with the uh, Cardinals, actually. There you go. So check so. him off as well. Check him off the list and also check off Eduardo Rodriguez, who uh, he pitched for the Tigers last year, yeah, opted he's, out. He's had some crazy stuff going on the last few years where he even disappeared yeah. at one point in time. So, Well, he got paid four years, $80 million, incentives up to $100 million. Who did he sign with again? Arizona. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, those two were off the list. Arnola's off the list, went back to Philly right away. I would have loved I, to have him too. You know, so – uh, My guy, to be honest with you, who I'd like to see them make a play for and maybe give away some of the, the guys that they traded for last year is uh, Glasnow. I know we brought him up before. I like yeah. him. I like him now fully recovered from Tommy John and still, what is he? I think he's only 30, 31 years old. So I oh, wouldn't mind if they made yeah. a play for him as well. Dodgers, as of right now, are in on him. They because of Shoei and not taking you know that big hit for the tax reasons, yeah. they can add they can add a Yamamoto or a Glass now by trading and add on, you know Glass now is making a lot of money twenty five million a year, uh, and Stearns is on record saying, you know, and it's all poker. They don't want to trade prospects, you know, especially for a rental uh, when they just restock the farm system. Uh, we'll yeah, see if that that's true. Somebody's got to start these games. <laughs> you know? How's your arm do, feeling? You know, yeah, right. it was uh, all right I, in fantasy camp. I could get fifty-five-year-old lawyers out. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, for me, it starts with Yamamoto, and then there's a plan B and a plan C, and you know, we'll find out what it is. There's that other Japanese guy, uh, Imagnata. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, he's thirty years old. He's kind of like a Senga. He's a left-handed pitcher, over a thousand innings in Japan. Uh, so he's like a veteran. 
Uh, right. You could, I could see the Mets going after him, but it yeah. really does start with Yamamoto. I would love it if they got glass now. I just don't see the Mets trading prospects for him, you know. Uh, but if they can't get Yamamoto, and I don't want to put that in the universe, right? who the hell knows? Yeah. You know? yeah, like you said, there's got to be a plan B, and that, that, that may be where we're looking into maybe we are trying to yeah. possibly trade some of those prospects. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and finally we're getting to it. Uh, we don't have to go into depth with it, but uh, I just want to get your opinion. I, I have mine on, we know in 2024, the Mets are retiring one of your boys, uh, Doc Gooden, number 16, his number up to the rafters, and also Dow Strawberry, number 18. Uh, Well-deserved, you know, and, and all that. Who do you think should be next if, if, if it all happens in, let's say, the next five years or whatever. Uh, obviously, to me, it's if you would bring it down to the next two that would be considered, Gary Carter, eight, or David Wright, five. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's a very it, – it's a good discussion to have. It's fun. Uh, you know, I was just trying to uh, – you know, talking to other people. I wanted to get your view on this. Yeah, I think that um... – I don't think we should be going every single year looking to try to retire numbers because then it kind of takes the the gloss away from having your number retired. But I think that those two names um, are obviously names that are up there for what they uh, they did and what they represented for the organization. Um, we've had a little bit of time to think about this because we've been away. Yeah. But uh, I think those are definitely the two next guys in line. And while uh, Gary Carter did have a World Series championship, and um, was obviously integral part of that championship and was kind of the, the captain that wasn't the captain besides number 17 and uh, Keith. Um, I think that maybe you might have to go with David Wright first, you know, okay. because of the longevity of his career as a Met. And then yeah. maybe after we get five retired, then maybe um, we look into eight, maybe a little bit further down the line, maybe. But I know it's unfortunate that uh, Gary Carter's not with us anymore. Okay. But, um, Maybe yeah. at some point in time he is as well. I mean, I look, I wouldn't begrudge them if they wanted to retire number eight. You know, the guy meant a lot, uh, came over and kind of became like the, in a way, kind of like the father figure or the big brother figure of that 86 Met team. So that meant a whole lot. And obviously the 86 Mets is still what we hang on as Mets fans because we haven't got that next World Series championship yet. But, 37 uh, years. Yeah. It's not, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to dwell on it. We're going to dwell on it. We keep going Okay, forward. hold on, hold on. <laughs> 37 years. Have there we go. Right. There we go. But I think uh, maybe David Wright first. I hate to say that because 86 Mets is obviously my, that's, that's what I, you know, I'm not the only guy, but that's the team for me. Yeah. will be the team for me. But uh, I'll, I'll say this. The Mets have not issued number eight in like 20 years. So that's a telltale sign. I used I, to. I used to tell Doc all the time, man. I'm I get mad every time somebody had number sixteen on over yeah. the last thirty seven years, other than him, you know, right, right, uh, because of what he he meant. And now it's it's nice to know that he's going to finally get his due and have his number put away, which is yeah. uh, I think it's outstanding. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's usually a telltale sign that you know you don't give away a number for two decades. You know, well, nobody's nobody's wearing five, right? No, not at all. No one will, and no one <laughs> no, will. No. So. Uh, trivia question. Who was the last player to wear number eight for the Mets? You know it? I don't. Desi Relaford. Desi Relaford. Early yeah. 2000s, I want to say, yeah. he wore it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The shortstop cool. middle infielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Desi. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. You know, Gary had a couple good years with the Mets and was that final piece for the 86 championship. Right. Uh, but after that, he kind of dropped off as catchers do. Uh, but he he was an integral part of that championship uh, with his clutch hitting and his leadership and, and everything. The, he was kind of the glue, kind of held it all together a yeah. little bit, seemed yeah. like to me. Yeah. So uh, I, I think eventually, and I agree with you, not every year, uh, but uh, sp spread out. Uh, it doesn't have to be next year, next five or ten, but I, I believe both will be up there. I think eventually I agree. I agree as well. Okay. Well, uh, moving on to your favorite uh, segment, the mailbag. Uh we got a couple questions, and we actually got two questions from one uh, uh, Shay Hello Podcast uh, fan. But we will start with your boy, as always. That's right. Um, NYMGI uh, asked, Bill, with 
uh, free agency about to get really going. I know David Robertson serves as his own agent. Are you surprised more players don't do this? I'm honestly not surprised simply because of the buffer between front office and player. Uh, I think that's okay. a good thing to have where your agent can kind of go be an asshole if he has to be, and it doesn't have to be you. So you can kind of have um, that buffer zone between you and the free in the front office. Cause if they might do or say something that might not make you real happy, you know, uh, yeah. you might want to have somebody else dealing with those emotions that uh, that's what they get paid to do. Uh, obviously understand, obviously David Robertson must be a, a very, very intelligent gentleman. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that myself. Uh, not surprising. Not surprising. Okay. Uh, yeah. And also maybe, you know, he doesn't have to pay his the agent the cut because he well, is the agent. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't make the $700 million contracts. So right. For him, every dollar, every other dollar that he can put in his pocket, it counts. But I do yeah. like the, the idea of a buffer between because when it gets, you know, inside the, those meeting rooms, sometimes I'm sure there's some things said to try to, make the team feel like they have the power over you that they might not, you might not like what they have to say. And you know, your agent, your agent can deal with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Jimmy Langs. Uh, he has a question, Bill, uh, did you grow up a Mets fan? And if so, how cool was it to be drafted by your favorite team and then play for them? Well, I absolutely did grow up a Mets fan. I think we went through this before where I had WTBS, WOR, WGN and home team right. sports. Uh, those were the four teams. So I watched, I watched the the Blue Jays. I watched the Cubs. I watched the uh, Braves, and I watched the Mets. Right. Um, obviously, through the mid '80s into the late '80s, the Mets were a fantastic ball ball club. And uh, when you're young, obviously, you're drawn towards winners. And then with you know Doc and Straw, and the, like we said, you know the '86 Mets will always be my favorite team. It doesn't matter how long they they play this game; that 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 team will always be the guys. So. Um, I grew up a Mets fan. Being able to walk out on Shea, Shea Stadium Field was was uh, mind blowing. You know, knowing that I'm walking out onto the field for the team that I rooted for as a kid, and yeah. uh, I, I get to live. I got to live a dream, and I still get to luckily live the dream every year when I get to go put the Mets uniform on down at, at fantasy camp and uh, say that I'm a Met again for a, a week. You know, yes, 100. percent Grew up a Mets fan. That's awesome, man. You know, couldn't even couldn't even imagine. It's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so we have two questions from Jeff Cohen, for, but for the sake of time, we're going to go with one. Okay. Uh, we'll get it next I, week. Yeah. And I, I like this question. Uh, Bill, how was your interaction with the press during your career? Did they treat you fairly? You know what? I was a big mouth a little bit. So when did they treat me fairly? I think that they knew that they could come in to talk to me and I was going to say something. Okay. Uh, so maybe being a little naive early in my career, not understanding what maybe they were doing, uh, trying to get stories. I thought that was just, it was cool that I was the guy that they wanted to talk to and I was willing to talk. I mean, maybe a little bit too much looking back on it retrospectively, but, um, did they treat me fairly? Sure. They, they wrote what was, what was, and what wasn't, you know, if I, stunk, right. they let me know I stunk. If I was good, they let me know that I was good. I don't. Right. But I look back at it, I think that they knew that Bill was going to have something to say. So let's go to Bill and ask Bill questions. So I think you, that, yeah, they were doing their job, you know, but I treated unfairly. No, I don't believe I was ever treated unfairly. I got I got everything I deserved, good, bad or indifferent. Yeah, I, you were a good soundbite and they knew it. Oh, so. yeah, <laughs> they knew it. Yeah. And okay. I was more than willing to give them one. So makes sense. Yeah. yeah even now <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, so that's going to end uh, the mailbag portion of the Shea Hello podcast. As you know, before we do the podcast, we throw on Twitter at Shea underscore hello. Uh, we invite you to ask questions uh, that we le uh, read live on the air like we just did. And Bill uh, answers them. And, uh, you know, we just did it. So thanks to NYMGI, Jimmy Langs, and Jeff Cohen for the questions uh for this week and now we get into what might be your favorite segment of the shalo podcast i don't know you tell me quick pitches i enjoy it. i enjoy i enjoy all the questions yeah i like to okay. talk i got a big mouth that's why we love you bill right, thank you and for people who don't know if they're tuning in for the first time listening watching quick pitches bill doesn't know what's coming i ask uh three questions real quick and he answers them you ready i'm ready 
If you could be any age for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Any age. Age. I mean, for me personally, I would love to go back to 21 and just stay 21 the whole time. You know, I was on top of the world at that point in time, yeah. wearing number 21, starting every five days for the New York Mets. Uh, a little immature, a little naive, but man, I was on top of the world. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like if you pulled 100 males and asked that question, 21 would be probably the number one. It's a pretty, you good, know? It's a pretty good one. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you could... Just wear this is a weird question. This is why we love That's quick right. pitches. If you could just wear one color for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I, the T-shirt I have on right now, I wear I wear gray T-shirts quite often. Okay, um, it, it used to be black, but I've found that my black T-shirts have a different feeling on them than the gray T-shirts do. So I'm actually, I, I I like the 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 gray or the black. So I have to pick one. I would honestly like to pick the black, but I just don't like the way that the black T-shirts that I have feel. I mean, they, they, for some reason, the, even though it's the same T-shirt, the, right. the, the material itself feels a little different. But I would All say right. black, but I go with gray because I like the way that the shirt feels on the body a little better. We'll, we'll, we'll go gray because you said it first. Right. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just go gray. Very flashy. Very, very yeah. flashy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No, hey, we, we we get old and uh, you know, uh yes. sometimes we want to be comfortable, you know. I was I was flashy, I'm no longer flashy. Well, nothing wrong with that. I'm a curmudgeon now. Last one. All right. Uh best smell for you and the worst smell for you. Best smell for me. Could be anything. Like, well, let's go with I, worst smell first. Sure. Worst smell. Of, uh vomit. I would say vomit's probably right up there with worst smell. Can't argue that. Yeah. Uh best smell. A steak on the grill, maybe. You All know, right. Nice steak. Yeah. That smells pretty talking. damn good to me. Now we're talking. I'm going to go with those two. Okay. All right. I got a bonus question for you. And okay. you actually, you brought it up earlier with your number 21 and actually the age that you would like to go back, which is just coincidental. Um, you are number 21 with the... <laughs> <laughs> or is it? 21. Right. That's... Can you name seven Mets... In history, that also were war number twenty one, like you did. There's more than seven, but can right. you just name seven? David Segui, who was traded before I wore it. That's one. Carlos Delgado. Two. Cleon Jones. Three. I'm gonna start drawing a blank now. Probably three. You said seven, man. You made it hard. Seven's hard. Uh, when when you. There's four more. I mean, there's more than seven, but I'm sure there is. You're gonna kick yourself uh, if you don't get oh, four more. Max Scherzer. Four, three oh, more. That hurts your feelings. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on Max, but that's that's four, three more. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sean Green. Was he 21? Maybe he wasn't. Was he 20? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think remember. he was. I don't think he was 21. No. Did I get four? Four is pretty you, good. You four. You want to stop at four? Let's stop at four. Give me three more. And I'm going to be mad. I'm sure that I don't. I didn't say these names. Okay. Bobby Jones, the lefty. You, the other one. You know what? That's um. It's an idiot for me to not I knew say you're that be pit. because what an yep. Because when I got traded back, I got 25, and he took 21. I knew. I knew you'd be gonna. That's why I said it to him first. I knew you'd be pissed. What a dope. What a dope. Uh, who else would you be pissed at? Gerald Williams? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had 21. Uh, Kevin Elster, 21. There we go. That's right. Uh, I, was, I was more paying – in Kevin Elster's day, I was more paying attention to Rafael Santana, unfortunately. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> he was – you know. Although, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Elster was kind of – he never quite panned out. And then I knew Elster a little bit more as actually a Philly when he was making his way back up to the big leagues. Right. Uh, did you get Delgado? Yeah. I did, Yes. Okay. I used to tell Delgado when we played together in Puerto Rico that he was wearing my number, and he used to hate that I would say that to him. <laughs> uh, Lucas Duda. Yes. He played. He he had you that put for me a on while. The spot. If, if I would have had, you know, I would have had a moment. You're right. Yes, yes, Lucas Duda. Yes. I knew. I knew by me giving you these names, you would be pissed because uh, uh, yeah. you know I should have known these. I should have known these. Okay. Uh, who else we got? Mosato Yoshi. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I loved him. 
Wow. Big game you pitched. What was it? Game one, NL something, NLDS, Arizona, nineteen ninety nine. Right. Uh, against Randy Johnson. Wow. And then just to uh, finish some uh, names off, uh, Todd Frazier wore it. That- Billy Hamilton wore it for a year. Yes, he did. Rich Hill wore it for a year. Yes, he did. And I was just thinking about Rich Hill because I was looking at free agent pitchers. Yeah, Rich Hill's been on, on the every spot. team. You got me. You got me. Yeah. You got me. I knew these names. <clears throat> and two that are really hard, and there's more, but uh, two that probably no one would get, Ed Crankpool. He actually wore it for a couple of years, but everybody knows him as seven. Right. Uh, and then the last one. Which is a derivative of 21. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And then the last one that probably no one would get, it's a good trivia question, Warren Spahn back in the day. Holy cow. You wore Warren Spahn's 21. I didn't know that. I thought, yeah, because he, yeah, he was 21 as a brave. Yeah. And he took Milwaukee that. brave. I didn't know that he was a Met. Very uh, early 60s. Not yeah. long. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, that's cool. Yeah. So very cool. Uh, you got you got four, and we know that you knew more. But, oh, you know, I knew you, more, but you put me on the spot, and I, I froze up. I froze up. That that's the idea, Bill. There <laughs> you, you go. Me. You got me. Uh that's gonna do it, folks. You know, uh, it, it's good to be back yeah. here on the Say Hello Podcast. It's good to stump you with twenty uh, ones that you and uh, Hall of Famers and other dudes uh, wore in the Mets history. Right on. Um, and uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, put in the mail questions. And uh, I want to just say thank you uh, for everybody who uh, listened. If you haven't subscribed, say hello media on YouTube. Also follow us, like us, leave us a comment there or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, all good. Follow us, uh, leave a comment, like us. Uh, Good to be back. Like I said, Bill, any final words? It's been a while. Uh, Anything on your mind that you just want to get off? Good show. Good to be back. Uh, good to see you again, Casey. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Great questions again. Good job stumping me as well. And yeah. uh, enjoyed enjoyed doing it. It's been a while. Enjoyed it. Highlight of my day. You're going to go through Mets numbers again, and you're going to be like, how did I not I, remember? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, steaming inside right now. And I am very happy about that. <laughs> so uh, that's going to wrap up episode 17 from uh, Bill and I. And uh, it was a pleasure. So wherever you are watching or listening, stay stay safe and uh, have a great rest of your day, guys. This has been the Shea Low Podcast.